Good morning, Willow Park Church family. Thank you for joining us. That's right, I said good morning because this is going to be happening uh, today on Sunday. There's no Saturday night service. This is our first times at 9 and 11 on Sunday, and we're glad that you can join us. Um, we're entering what we like to call phase two, you know, to keep in the rhythm of, you know, what's, what Canada and the world is talking about as we enter different phases, but phase two of church as we move to live teaching. And so today you're going to experience Phil preaching on Sunday from the auditorium at that moment uh, where you'll be listening to it. And also there'll be Glenn at South. And so we are excited for the steps that we're taking so we can gather together in person again. And uh, we are just, again, thankful that you can join us this morning. And so before I pass it off to Chris and the band, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you um, for your provision. Lord, we are excited for what you have in store for us today, Lord, knowing that your mercies are new today and you have uh, things, Lord, you want to do in our hearts and our lives um, because we're still here, Lord. And so we come to worship you, um, to give you praise, Lord, to gather as the church, even though we might be in our homes, but Lord, we know that your spirit connects us. And as we worship you together, Lord, we sing praises with the church, Lord, as it's gathered in different spaces. And so we are honored and excited, Lord, to come together and to worship you. So let our hearts and our minds be prepared for what you have for us. In your name we pray, Father. Amen. Holy, 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 
We adore your name. And as we move each day forward, God, we wake up and declare you are holy, you are worthy of our praise, and we trust in you completely. Every moment, every step, you're the lamp unto our feet.
Willow Park Church family. If you want to take a couple moments to go gather your juice and your cracker, we're just going to have communion here in a sec. Um, before, while you're gathering that, I just have a quick thing to share with you. Um, in Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Maybe some of you have asked, why do we do this every week? Um, we do this every week just as a reminder. Um, Christ is near us. You know, in this time when we feel far away from each other, when we feel distant from each other, it's nice to take, a part, take part of this, to remember that Christ is near. But as we do this in our homes, as a family, we know that others are doing it in their homes as a family. At that same moment. It's like if you've watched the movies and, you know, like Sleepless in Seattle and, you know, Meg Ryan's out looking at her window at the stars and then Tom Hanks is up at the window looking at the stars at the same time. This helps remind us that, you know what, we're together as a body. Even though we might feel separate, we're together because of Christ. Because of now that Christ is drawn near to us, his spirit is inside of me and it's inside of other believers. And so when we do this, we recognize that he's near. It helps us feel near to those in our church family. And so let's take a moment to remember what Christ has done, to remember that he is near, but also to remember that we are close to our church family, even though we might feel distant from them. And on that night he was betrayed, this is his body broken for us. Let's partake.
This is his blood shed for us. Let's partake together. Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are near. Right now, this reminds us that you are close to us. That you're by our side, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. That wherever we go, you are there with us. And Lord, this connects us to the wider body of Christ. Lord, even though I feel like you aren't near, Lord, this reminds me you are right there with us. And we constantly need that reminder that you are with us, Jesus. And so we thank you for your body broken, your blood shed. We thank you for what that represents for our walk with you, Jesus. That the barrier is broken, the, the veil is torn, and that your spirit, it goes with us. So we thank you for what you've done on the cross, Jesus. Amen. Your heart in the streams of life with the pain and the sorrow and be washed away in the winds of your mercy as deep cries out to deep and we sing come Lord Jesus Sing, come. 
Cries out to thee, as deep cries out to thee, as deep cries out to thee, and we sing holy spirit come. God, we don't want to move without your spirit leading us. And God, we long for the day of your return. God, we will continue to sing, come Lord Jesus, come until you're here. God, we need you more than ever. God, we long for the day where the earth is healed. God, when you return in all your glory, in all your might, God, in all pain and suffering is gone for eternity. God, we long for that day. Jesus, we long for your return. sing. Jesus come. It's our prayer. 
Yeah, God, we love you. Amen. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining Church Online today. And here is your family news. We are so excited to announce that our in-person gatherings will be starting on August 2nd in three of our locations, in Rutland, in the Mission, and in Lake Country. More details will be coming soon, but to learn more, visit our website at willowparkchurch.com dwell. And please be assured that for those who are unable to attend in person, we will be continuing our services right here at Church Online. We are having two awesome kids camps online this summer. Join us for Rocky Railway, July 20th to 24th and August 17th to 21st. You can choose to do camp as a family or you can register as a camp host and invite some friends to do camp with you. Registration is now open at willowparkchurch.com slash kidscamp. We've been having so much fun at Kids Church Online with you. Just a reminder that Kids Church will be online every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 at Church Online. Join us after church today for a live Zoom chat with one of our campus pastors. Simply visit our website to find the links to join. We can't wait to see you all there. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Welcome Willow Park Church and I'm delighted that you've come and joined us to our 11 a.m. service and it was good to worship together and good to be together. I, we're testing all of this technology, we're working on it for our reopening uh, for small dwell groups, worship experiences because of the pandemic. We're opening uh, the 2nd of August of course so we've moved everything to Sunday morning Uh, preparing and working through all the details. So I'm glad that you're listening and thank you for that. I'm amazed you're listening. I mean, wow, look at the outside. It's absolutely gorgeous. We're going to have a 26 Celsius day today. So I think uh, after I've preached this sermon, it's put my shorts on and off down to the beach or something or sat on my deck or something. I don't know. Michelle might have some... um, little chores for me to do as well. But I'm glad that you're, um, you're with us. I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad that you're continuing to support the ministry of Willow Park Church. Can I remind you that there are ways to give? Uh, our calling as Christians is to give generously, to give sacrificially, and to give regularly is our calling. And so you can give online, in person, or automated uh, in those three ways that will definitely uh, enable you to um, to support the ministry and the work of Willow Park Church. Uh, last week, of course, we had uh, Pastor Jeremy and Jordan share at the end of the Beatitudes. Now, let me explain to you something about the Beatitude. The Beatitudes are very much to do with the work of God within our lives internally. What God does, the way God works within our lives internally, it makes, it, 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 it transforms the, um, the landscape of our hearts. And Jesus taught about these areas of how we find true 
true blessedness, that sense of well-being that is rooted in our relationship with Christ, that sense of mercy and peace, that sense of, of, of purity that comes through understanding the Beatitudes. So if you think of the Beatitudes, first of all, as an internal work of the Holy Spirit transforming, if you like, terraforming your life inside of who you are, then the next verse that we're going to be looking at in, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is to talk about salt and light, is about the external effect that we as believers should have in the world. Now, I, I want to tell you, I love this thought. This message is right where my wheelhouse is, and I'm really excited about sharing it with you. And we're going to start at verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth. Isn't it amazing that through my and your very presence, we can make a difference or an impact in somebody's lives? This is a story I didn't tell uh, with the first sermon at 9 a.m. So you're very privileged at 11 a.m. And, and I, I always go and buy my fuel at the same uh, gas station. And I go there, pull up. I've been going there for about eight, nine years. And, and the guy that works there is, um, is a, a Sikh gentleman. And we chat a bit about, about cricket and about different things. And we talk about the Cricket World Cup, things that, that perhaps as Canadians you never think about, thinking about cricket and the whole sporting world out there. Well, I pulled up this week. I rarely go these days in pandemic because I'm not going anywhere. Rarely go to the gas station. <clears throat> Went into prepay. And as I stood there, he looked at me and he'd never called me by my name. I don't think he even knew my name. He said... Um, Hi, Phil. How are you today? Hmm, that's strange. And so I said, I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for using my name. And next to me was a young kind of scrawny looking teenager with his like gangster hat turned round and kind of buying his I don't know, cigarettes. And we stood there and, and he looked at me and said, yeah, yeah, I... Uh, I've been reading your article in the newspaper every week and I noticed it was you and I've been reading that news article. I said, that's, that's amazing. He said, I never realized that you were a pastor. I went, oh. And he said, hmm. I said, well, thank you for reading that. He said, hmm. He said, but you always give that kind of vibe off. I said, what do you mean, vibe off? He said, you know, that kind of vibe, vibe. I said, what do you mean, the kind of Jesus vibe, like the Jesus thing going on? And the guy next to me, the young guy, started laughing <laughs> a little bit too much. And, and he looked at me and he leant across the counter. He said, exactly, you give off the Jesus vibe. I think that's exactly what this verse talks about. That even without words, and even without us preaching or 
that our conduct with other people, the way we talk to people, the way we speak to people, the content of our conversation gives off the Jesus vibe. In other words, we are the salt of the world. You look at this verse and Jesus is stood there preaching on the hillside. I've actually been to the spot where where, where Jesus preached this message on the hillside, the Sermon on the Mount. And you go there, you turn up in your tour buses and you walk down this beautiful uh, little lane uh, laid with trees and you see a lovely small chapel, church. And then there's perfectly groomed gardens and grass and lovely flower beds and perfectly strategically placed um, palm trees softly moving in the wind and you stand there and you look at this is the spot where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. It's like being at an Okanagan winery. It's, it's perfect or a golf club being at Harvest Hills or something and then you can see the glitter of the Galilean Sea with the perfect blue sky that is often happens when we um, when you go to Galilee, because it's such a beautiful environment. But the day Jesus spoke these words, it would have been a scrubby hillside. It would have been dusty and dirty. There would have been, it wasn't the only land that would have been kind of developed, his farming land. And he gathered there amongst the, the grit and the gravel, the rocks and the weeds, and the people gathered around, and there he began to teach. Now imagine, this was the beginning of his ministry. Imagine what that would have looked like. Jesus is there amongst the poorest, amongst the most marginalized, amongst the peasant farming workers, fishermen of that, um, that region. And he looks at them who are uneducated, they are nothing. In terms of Roman society, in terms of Heronius uh, uh, society as well, the Greek Jews that ruled and so on, these people were just peasants. They were just part of the land. They were just groups of people. And Jesus turns to them and says, you are the salt of the earth. This is laughable. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely, how can a group of Galilean peasants listening to a rabbi teacher be the salt of the earth. I mean, they are uneducated, they are irrelevant, they are just taxes for the Roman elite, they are just there to be present in the land, to keep the land moving, so that the Roman Empire can keep growing. And there Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. I want to start with this point. It's not my first point, but I want to say that you may feel irrelevant. You may feel as if you are nobody. You may feel as if you have no influence in this world at all. But the truth is, when you have Jesus in your life, you are carrying something that gives you a flavor that is different in this world. You are carrying something that brings a change. You are carrying something that is so beautiful that Jesus calls a salt in this world. So don't look down on yourself 
Every one of you that is listening can make a difference in this world. It's not down just to pastors or to celebrities or people with certain personalities. Jesus was teaching to the uneducated. This is absurd, but the kingdom of God is absurd. And when he was teaching them, he was saying to them, you are just not irrelevant, you are somebody. Your prayers... Your life, the way you conduct yourself, brings a flavor even into a gas station. It amazes me because I don't feel like I carry any flavor somewhere. I just think I'm like a polite English person. But we are the salt of the earth. Now, of course, the first thing I want to talk about salt, and there's three points I want to make. I want to talk about its power to preserve. I want to talk about its power to spice life. And I want to talk about its power to create thirst. Three things. But first of all, let me talk about the power to preserve. There was a great debate in our family. Great debate. I was, we were renovating our kitchen. And we had a new kitchen being fitted in and we're getting new appliances. And the most important thing to my four children was this. If we get a fridge, will it have an ice maker? And if it has an ice maker, will there also be a drinks dispenser where you can put your cup against the fridge and it magnificently, wondrously, flows water out of the fridge. Not out of the rock, but out of the fridge. Why? Because in our society, we don't have to worry about rotting food. Why? Because we have refrigeration. We have freezers. We have ice boxes. We have ice machines. We have vacuum-packed food. We have the ability to keep things from rotting and from from growing old and becoming putrid and horrible. And yet in the ancient world, they had to create a whole process of taking salt, waterize it into a solution, and then put the meat into that solution. And having put the meat into that solution and that salt, it would, it would, it would salt it, it would keep it uh, safe, it would keep it Uh, fresh to some degree, and you would be able to eat it without it rotting in the heat of uh, Israel and in the heat of the day. There were no flies. It wasn't becoming putrid. It wasn't becoming horrible. And what Jesus is saying is, remarkably, is that the presence of Christians, the presence of the church, the presence of our prayers, the presence of our life, the way we can conduct ourselves, we in the kingdom of God are salt in a world that loves to decay. In other words, it's easier for the world to decay and to go down than it is for it to be noble. And yet the presence of Christians, Jesus is saying, is you are the salt of the earth. You make the difference. You are the ones that bring 
a freshness, that preserve the goodness in society, that bring a life where there is death. And the very role of Christians in the world today is to hold back the decaying power of sin and evil and to bring a difference, to hold back injustice, to hold back the pain of prejudice, to hold back poverty to make a difference because God knows that the power of sin decays in society but the presence of salt preserves society. If you've ever been to an African um, market as I have uh, many times and you walk through the meat section it's this heart and there's flies and you better get that meat get it home get it cooked or get it uh, in the freezer or salt it otherwise it will go off and it will begin to rot and God is concerned about the planet Jesus is concerned about the evil in the world. He's concerned about the injustice and he is concerned that we would be salt in this world. Go all the way back to prime evil times. Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 11. We know that there we have Adam and Eve who they fell. They fell because they had a different idea of what good and evil should be. They fell because they were being disobedient. They fell because they wanted to be like God and not necessarily serve God. And after they fall, what happens? They're naked and they feel vulnerable. In other words, they don't trust each other. And that's the first moment where there's a lack of trust, if you like, even between the sexes. At that moment, there's a lack of trust because there's a sense of nakedness. There's a sense of awareness. And, and, and suddenly there's a lack of trust. There's a lack of, of obedience. There's a willingness to judge for yourself what is right and wrong in our own eyes as Adam and Eve. And then we have Cain and Abel. And that Cain becomes full of jealousy. And the scripture says, that the enemy, he, he, he crouched at the door ready to pounce on Cain. And Cain murdered his brother Abel. And then we have this character, Lamanek, who is in the Old Testament, who, who has more slaves than everybody else and boasts that he kills more people than Cain. What is humanity doing? It is decaying. It is rotting. It is heading downhill. And then we have the times of Noah and where God doesn't destroy the world because, because he's angry at the world. In fact, the Bible teaches that God looks at the world and God is sad, sad away humanity. And as it were, he washes uh, humanity and brings the great flood and Noah and then we have that weird moment where Noah gets drunk in the tent and we have that moment of nakedness again and what and we have that moment where they think that they're so awesome that they build a tower and this tower is to bring God down now those ancient towers were designed to bring God down so you could control God let me say that again the towers that they built in the ancient worlds were to bring gods down so they could control God. You cannot control God. And that did not please our father. And so he split the nations and he spread the nations throughout the world. Why do I give you a quick 
11 chapters review about man's sinfulness. Why? Because this world is broken, it is decaying, and God's rescue mission is through Jesus the Savior and through his church and his children who are the salt of the earth. And basically, it's describing the reality that that the world, as in the world, is like a dead body that is decaying, and yet the presence of, of salt keeps it, preserves it, brings grace. And this presence of salt can make all the difference. Let's take it down a notch to your family, to your relationships, to my relationships, to my family, to those relationships. God calls us to be salt. You know, this is the great challenge of our age. Parents, we cannot depend upon our youth pastors to disciple and win our kids. Because at the moment, for the last four months, we haven't been meeting. Parents, we cannot depend upon our children's workers and come into church to do the job or summer camps because they're not there. Parents, and I talk to myself, and so I'm going to preach to myself now, you and I, I am responsible for trying to sow and to bring God's goodness and to bring God's uh, power and to stop the decay within my children's life, within my family relationships, within my friendships. I mustn't let the decay of sin because God has called us to be salt in the world. I've got to be salt. You've got to be salt. So it starts at the family level. It starts with our relationships. It starts with those relationships. It moves on into society. That we have to be salt in society. Your prayers over your city make all the difference to bring God's presence and to hold back evil in the world. That's why I believe in prayer so much. I can look at church history. You can go all the way back to the monasteries of the Dark Ages, where the monks used to lock themselves in a monastery, not because they were afraid of the Vikings, although they were pretty frightening, but to pray because they believed that the key to evangelizing a country was to start by praying for that country that God would move in power was the first time. When the early church fathers used to go and pray on mountains over cities to rebuke the powers of darkness and to ask God to come in power before they ever went into that city to evangelize and to do mission as Christians. And that is our legacy because our prayers are like salt, if you like. Our lives are like salt. I have a friend, her name's Deborah Green. And she leads a charity and she was awarded a Order of the British Empire by uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth because she, she captured this idea of people praying for their cities and praying against crime. And it all started with a group of mums who had their strollers, or as we say in England, buggies. And I did say buggies 
at the 9 a.m. service and I was pointing out that a buggy is something like the Amish would have, whereas a stroller is something we push. But you get the idea. They would meet and they would get their strollers and they would walk around their city where all the crime was, praying that God would move. And you know what took place? The crime statistics went down because the prayers of the women and the moms with their babies in strollers because they are salt in the world. Do you believe that? I believe it. Do you believe that your prayers can make all the difference in Kelowna? Do you believe that your prayers can make all the difference in British Columbia? Do you believe that your prayers can make all the difference in Canada? Do you believe that your actions and your presence can be salt in the world? Because too often Christians seem to have been baptized in lemon juice and we haven't been baptized in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. I read one great author, he said, the problem with Christians, I would often consider going into the, uh, the ministry and becoming a vicar, uh, but often vicars conduct themselves like undertakers rather than like men of God. Now, no offense against undertakers, we've got them in church, and actually our undertakers in this city are a gorgeous group of people, amazing But the point is made that so often we portray who God has not called us to be. God has called us to be salt, to bring a change, to bring life, to bring hope, to bring a preservant into this world. Now you can see why I like this message, because it's right what I believe. I believe that we're supposed to be out there changing culture and stopping the decay and making a difference. So number one, if salt brings the ability to preserve the main ability, number two, salt brings spice. It brings flavor. It brings life. It brings wonder. You know, if, if, if food is a bit bland, like English food is often talked about as the worst food in Europe, okay? But if it's bland, what do English people do? Loads of salt. Not good for you because of the old ticker. But they put loads of salt on it. And they get it all with lots of salt. And they make it flavorful. And I believe that as Christians, we should be the most creative people. You have got songs to write. You have got books to write. You have got films to make. You have got businesses to start. You have got charitable work to undertake. You've got ideas that can make a difference in people's lives. You and I can affect politics. We can affect life. And when you see a group of Christians praying outside of the parliament in Ottawa, they are not wasting their time. When you see a group of Christians praying outside the RCMP offices in Kelowna, they are not wasting their time because they are bringing the flavor. They are bringing the life. They are bringing the strength into this world because the message of Christianity is so powerful that it brings creativity, it brings flavor, it brings life, it brings power to each one of us. Christianity should never be dull. 
But we've turned it into something that is dull. We've turned it into something that is flat. We've turned it into something that has lost its flavor. But we are the salt of the earth. I'm uneducated. I'm nobody. I live in Galilee. I'm on the side of a scrubby little hill with lots of weeds all around. And this guy's preaching to me. And this guy is the son of the living God, the Messiah King. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. The other thing salt does, so it, it stops decay. It brings flavor, if you like, creativity. And the third thing, come on, we know. You eat some chips, it's got salt on. What do you want to do? Have a drink. That's why in bars that they have peanuts, salty peanuts, or they did pre-pandemic and so on, to get you eating the peanuts, to get you drinking more, because there's a thirst that comes with salt. All of this is only achieved when we've got a thirst for our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Our deepest thirsting should be that we want to know him. And you know, we can lose our saltiness, it says. And the question is, what what good is it if you lose it? And I want to encourage you that if you've lost your saltiness, for the glory of God and God working in your life, then I want to encourage you, you can get your saltiness back. You say, how? Well, it starts with renewing that covenant. It's like a marriage that's gone cold. You need to renew that passion and that love. You can get your saltiness by seeking after the kingdom of God, by confessing, by asking God for forgiveness. Every one of you can get your saltiness back to God if you allow the Holy Spirit. See, they would take meat and they would put it in that salty solution and they would soak it in this water salty solution. And what you and I need to do to get our saltiness back, what naturally happens is soak ourselves in the presence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Allow ourselves to be in the presence of Jesus and see the difference that he makes within your life. Allow ourselves to let him come. And then out of that position of your devotion to Christ, boy, can you make a difference in the world. Let's think of um, William Wilberforce, who turned around British society. A very irritating man, actually. He looked like an elf. He was small, bent over, was often sick, and was kind of for 30 years, spoke nothing except about freeing slaves from Africa, freeing slaves, making a difference. This Christian man who was not impressive. In fact, one of his contemporaries said that William Wilberforce was like a man. He he got up to speak and it was like a shrimp, shrimp, a shrimp getting on the stage or on the table. But as you listen to Wilberforce, the shrimp turned into a mighty whale. That's the power of salt. 
that our presence, we feel like we're shrimps, but God turns the church into a mighty whale to make a difference. He turns the church into a mighty whale that is there and Wilberforce went on. Think of General Booth who founded the Salvation Army, a Methodist preacher who the Holy Spirit got hold of. And now the Salvation Army is one of the greatest and biggest uh, relief organizations in the world. A little bit of salt can make a difference. Think about the incredible story of... um, A Florence Nightingale, the beginning of nursing. A little bit of salt can make the difference. Social workers, probation officers are from Christians, unions. The the movements that have grown up were had Christian roots because they saw injustice, because they saw pain, because they saw the wrong in society. Think of men like the seventh Earl of Shaftesbury who fought for mental health issues and fought against the exploitation of children in factories and was known as the, the Earl of Goodness because all he spoke about was about man's dignity and respect. You see, this is what salt means. But I can only truly fulfill my life of salt if I am willing to let the Lord transform my life with the beautiful Beatitudes. I can only truly make a difference in this world. And if you've lost your saltiness, do something about it. Otherwise, you might end up underfoot and completely useless. Just as gravel, just of no value. I mean, you don't put gravel in a stew, do you? You need salt to bring flavor, to bring that difference, to bring that that change. And so at the end of this message, at the top of the hour, I want to challenge you and next week we will move on. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus uses two powerful metaphors to make the point about your life. But I want to come back to that salt adds flavor, creativity and strength. Why aren't you as creative as you should be? And what lie are you believing? And why are you being held back? Because the church needs creative people to bring change, to bring leadership, to start charities, to make a difference, to pray prayers, to write psalms, to seek the Lord. The church needs salty people. You have been trapped in the salt shaker for too long and it's time to get out of the salt shaker and get into the world. It's time that you as salt be rubbed into the meat of this world and to make a difference because we will either change the world by the power of our heat or we'll be frozen by the power of darkness. And we've got to make a choice about what we are willing to do and the lives that we're willing to live at this time. Ask the Lord the question, Lord, how can I be salt 
If you're watching this with friends and family, have a conversation about the different ways that you can be salt in the world and the difference you can make. And let me pray now. And maybe it's a time for you to recommit your life to be that radical salt in society. I told you I'd love this message. It's so, so important that we live this way. Father, right now I thank you for the opportunity to declare the goodness of God and be salt in the world. And I pray, Lord, for every one of us that needs more flavour. I thank you, Lord, that I wasn't baptised in lemon juice, but I was baptised in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that I may live being willing to be salt in the world, to make a difference. Help me, Lord, to be that salt in our workplaces, with our businesses, with the way that we live. Help us, Lord, to be the salt to make a difference. So even, Lord, humbly, if we walk over years into one spot like a gas station, there'll be something different about who we are. That we may just have that flavour of Jesus, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we pulled it off. I preached live only to Pastor Curtis who sat over there. You can't see him. Empty church, a few texts, but August the 2nd is coming. There is now an after church Zoom where you can hang out with people, hear what's going on, see what God's doing, have a listen in, have a little prayer meeting until 12.30 and connect in an all-church Zoom. So please do that. Thanks for listening. Really enjoyed sharing with you. And I'll see you next week at 9 or 11. Thank you.